Welcome, Faith Promise. You guys all right? Good. Want to welcome every single campus. We're thrilled that you're with us, excited. God is doing a great work. And so before we dive in the Word, we have one more thing to do. At every campus, if you are an adult small group leader, that you are currently serving in the role as an adult small group leader at every single campus. I want you to stand and remain standing. Go ahead, stand up right where you are, every campus. Come on, church, let's give them a hand. Stay up, every single campus, stay up. Stay up. Stay standing. Now, at every campus, we want you to stay standing until you get a gift. We have something for you. As you guys know, we just finished. Once you get that, you can sit down. But until you get, receive a gift, I mean, at every campus, just stay up until someone hands you a gift, and then you can sit down. We just finished our, our uh, alignment called Normal about what a real Christian family is in the 21st century. And I have to tell you, we launched almost 100 adult groups we had 25 new coaches, and it is unbelievable what God is doing overall in the life of faith promised through groups. Now, this is going to rock your world. We have another alignment in February of 2014. <laughs> February of 2014 is seven weeks away. I mean, is that not messed with your head? It is seven weeks away until February of the next year. And so some of you have been thinking about you know, you'd love to lead or you're in a group and you know that your group is pregnant, it's full and it needs to birth. If you'll let your coach know or you can go to, you know, if you're at the campuses, go to your small group pastor, your next steps area and let them know because that, our next alignment is going to be here absolutely before you know it. Now, was, was normal great? Wasn't it one of the best things we've ever done? So the next is going to be... We're shooting videos. We're putting out another book. You know, it's, it's all our stuff. So I just want to challenge you. I'm just so grateful for our group leaders who give. They pastor. They shepherd. They care for. They're there. They minister to people in the hospitals. They're teaching people the Word of God. It is absolutely unbelievable. You saw the video, Small Groups. And if you're new, I want to tell you, we do actually do uh, study the Bible in small groups because every video I saw, they're reading. Uh, so we do actually study the Word. We do, have, we do like all kinds of, you know, uh, of the Word. We like food. We like the living Word. And so, uh, so that's, that's happening. Thanks for, to the small group leaders. Now, come let us adore him, installment two. As we move ahead, as we think about it, as we walk down through this uh, series, uh, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus worthy of our adoration? Okay. Okay. That, <laughs> all right. Okay, that's more better because I was about to change the sermon and just unleash all of heaven on you. Uh, but... For the last about 25 years in America, the church has been at war. It has been at a war, and the, world, the, war, the war has been called worship wars. Now, I want you to think about how sad this is, that the thing that God gave us to bless him and to unite us, worship is to unite us as we gather together for our God, has been now turned into a, turned into a war that has been used to divide us. That's horrible. Would y'all agree with that? But that's what's happening. And because we've had all these worship wars and all that is going on, let me tell you what it has created. It is created because we have these, these worship wars. It's created uh, uh, 
celebration critics. So people go to church every weekend, and what they do is they criticize the worship. Because we've been at this worship where hymns, praise, loud song, current, southern gospel, rap, reggae, whatever, you know, whatever style of music, all that. So we've had these wars going on. And so now we come to church as critics. And what the enemy did is the enemy took our celebration with obliviation and, and stopped our adoration. See, it was the devil's job all along to kill our worship, right? To, to destroy our adoration. And he dropped in there, and he's now got us fighting over what's real and what's not. So we've got all these critics now in worship every weekend at every church, and we have them in our church, and we sit like the, the host of the show, The Voice. Have you ever seen that show, The Voice? We, we, we sit with our buttons ready to hit the buttons. Oh, um, I like that. That was worship. Oh, I didn't like that. That was terrible. Or that was too rehearsed, or that wasn't rehearsed enough, or that was too loud, or it wasn't loud enough, or what if they didn't have the bass, or if they'd cut this down, or hey, you know what? They ought to change their clothes up there. Do you think it's a little hot in the room? We just, you know what I'm talking about? It's just the spirit that's, that's invaded the congregations all around America that instead of gathering for our God and celebrating and adoring Him, what we end up doing is gathering for our God and, and critiquing all that happens on the platform as people lead in worship. Would you all agree with that? See that? I mean, and, and it's, it's just wrong that we do that. It's, would would you all agree it's wrong? And so well, at the heart of our celebration, don't you get this because this is the crux of the message really this weekend. If you're listening, Sam, at the heart of celebration, there is revelation. The heart of celebration. I'll say it this way. If there has been no revelation of God, of his power, of his glory, of his might, of his mercy, of his holiness, of his character, of his attributes, if there's been no revelation of God, there'll be no celebration of God. There'll be no adoration of God. Why? Because people that have not had a revelation don't realize that God's worthy of worship. They don't don't recognize, they don't realize that we serve this awesome God. It's like Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And when Isaiah caught a glimpse of God, he fell down on his face and said, Man, woe is me, I am undone, I am unclean. He began to see himself, and he saw God, and he was never the same. When there's been a revelation of an attribute, an aspect, the character, the presence of God, then there is going to be a celebration of that said God. Does that make sense? <clears throat> now, what I do a lot of times is if, if we have worship, <clears throat> excuse me, if we have worship at the end of a, the service, you know, because we put it all over, we like to keep you guessing. <laughs> and so what I'll do is I'll walk around and just pray. And I walk around the room and just pray. And then I'll look at people <clears throat> and I'll wonder, wow, how can they sing with their mouth closed? You know what I'm talking about? And I'll think, you know, how do they have the joy of the Lord with their frown and a scowl? You know. I do, I just walk around and say, wow, mm. No worship there. And I just went and so I said, God, would you just move in the place? Would you open people's eyes? And, and as we were working on the series, it's just the thought that has, if there is no revelation, then there'll be no celebration. 
And so I want to challenge you as a church, as an individual Christ follower, <clears throat> no matter what campus you're at, I want to challenge you in the name of Jesus that to your public display of adoration and affection. Now, remember when David was bringing the ark in and he was dancing before the Lord and he'd just gone berserk. Y'all remember that? Everybody was celebrating. There was one person mad, his wife, pitched a fit. Y'all remember that? Boy, check the king out today. <laughs> right. Didn't you distinguish yourself out there dancing around with all those women just out there just doing it in front of everybody? Now, who was God pleased with, David or his wife? David. And yet, who do we end up being more like? Mm-hmm. See, I want to challenge you in your humility, in your love, in your outward demonstrative demonstration of excessive, lavish adoration and love to God. Amen. Is, is that the will of God? Now, people who come and worship with us or people who come to our church that they're not believers, you know what? They should know one thing. They don't know whether they believe in our God, but they should know we do by watching us. They ought to know that we're different by watching us. They ought to know that we're passionate about our God, that we're excited about this God. But if there's been no revelation, there'll be no adoration. There'll be no outward excessive move. It just, it just simply is not going to happen. Does that, does that make sense? You know, in the third chorus of the, the hymn that we use to title this series, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him, it says, Sing choirs of angel, singing what? Exaltation. Sing, all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God in the highest. Oh, come, let us what? Oh, come, let us what? Oh, come, let us what? Christ the Lord. So the, 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 the chorus starts singing choirs of angels. Sing in exaltation. The hymnist, the, the writer of the hymn is just encouraging all of heaven. The psalmist said it in the end of the book of Psalms. Sing to him, celebrate, O stars, hosts of heaven, worship the Lord. And so the, the, so the hymn writer is encouraging the people to worship, to celebrate. He is just, he's, he's, he's encouraging. And he sings, sing choirs of angels. Sing choirs of angels. Now, do angels sing? You're not sure. Hey, come on, Blunt County, do angels sing? There we go. They believe it in Blunt. And so, angels sing. Why do angels sing? Angels sing because they've seen him. See, angels have had a revelation of him, so because they have seen him, they sing and they praise. Matter of fact, they get a fresh revelation of God every time they turn and they see the exalted one on the throne. They see him, the cherubim, the living creatures who surround the throne. The Bible says every time they lift up their face and they see God, they fall back down shouting out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They get this fresh revelation, and again, they're overcome with the power and the presence of God. In Luke's gospel, the second chapter, if you've got your Bible, if you'll turn or click or do whatever you do to, to get there, but Luke's gospel, the second chapter, go to Matthew, hang a right. 
and you'll, you'll get there. See, it's easy for me because I mark my pages before I come. Some of you think he's so fast. No, not really. I'm just going to give you a preacher's secret right there. You know, it looks like we know it. We, we don't really. And in and, and Luke's gospel, the second chapter, starting in the eighth verse, it says this. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in their fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly shone before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find, a baby, you'll find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared the, <clears throat> with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. So what's going on? Man, God, the angels come. They're singing. They're celebrating. Verse 15 when the angels had gone away from them uh, into heaven, the shepherds, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So now what's going on? Third shift shepherds are talking about minimal wage, menial labor. These guys are in the middle of the night out watching the shepherds, making sure the wolves didn't come or the bears didn't come. And they're doing their deal. And all of a sudden, I mean, you need to realize the sun gets brighter than noonday, and the angels show up, this big honking angel. He gives them a message. Then behind him, this million-voice angelic choir begins to worship and praise and celebrate God. And they give the message that Christ has been born in the city of David. Well, everybody knew the city of David was Bethlehem in that time. And so when the angels got done celebrating, singing, and praising, the shepherds looked at each other and what they say? Let's go, baby. Man, let's go. Now, why did they go? Because they had a revelation. Where did they go to? They were going to adore him. They were heading to find him. They didn't know where he was, but Bethlehem wasn't a big place, maybe, you know, 100 yards long, just a few houses. It didn't take them long beating on doors in the middle of the night to find out. I mean, everybody else was asleep, but the shepherds, the third shift dudes, they were used to being at waking night. They were going to hunt down that new king, and why were they looking for him? Because they were going to celebrate him, weren't they? Come, let us adore him, man. Let's go, but let's go, boys. Let's get after it. Flip back over to Matthew's gospel, the second chapter, verses one and two, says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king Magi from the east arrived at Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Look at verse 11. They find him. And coming into the house, they saw the child of Mary's mother, and they fell to the ground, and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So now, what did the Magi come to do? Worship. They, they brought their offering. They came to church ready to give. They came to church looking to see the king. They brought their offering. They brought treasures. They, I mean, they came with, with a lavish. It is probably what sustained Mary, Joseph, and Jesus as they went to Egypt, hiding from Herod for years. That offering kept them going. But why did the Magi adore Jesus? Because they'd had what? A revelation. They see a star, they realize, and they go six months to two years looking for this star. They get to Jerusalem, and they start asking, hey, there's a king born. Does anybody know where he is supposed to be born at? Herod's freaking out. 
Herod calls the, Herod calls the Pharisees, the religious muckety-mucks, the big, the head hogs at the trough. They show up. Hey, where does the Bible say that the king will be born? He's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, the city of David. Okay, good. They go back to the temple. Herod goes back to the palace. Everybody goes back to business as usual, except who? The Magi. Where were they going? They were going to find them some Jesus. Man, they got on some camels and rode, baby. They put in beef for Boogie. They found out that he's in Bethlehem, and man, they're on their way, and then the star appears, and they get there, and it's not the night of his birth. It's sometime later. Jesus is somewhere between one and two years old, most likely at this point in the ball game, and the wise men knock on the door, and Mary lets them in. There's Mary Joseph, little Jesus, and they walk in, and they just fall on their knees, and they begin to worship Jesus, and they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they just celebrate. Why did they worship him? Because they had a revelation of who he was. Now understand, while the rest of the world slept, the shepherds sought him. While the rest of the world was business as usual. Business as usual. While Jesus was being born. Let me tell you why nobody else sought him. Because nobody else had the revelation. Nobody else recognized. Nobody else realized. All this good news of all that was going on absolutely fell on deaf ears. It fell on deaf ears. So here we are thousands of years later with thousands of people with us this weekend at all of our campuses. And you know what? Most of the people that are with us this weekend, you really do believe the Bible. Would y'all agree with that? Anybody believe the Word of God? Come on. Anderson County, North Bay, y'all believe it? We believe there's an incarnation. Sure we do. Man, we believe, man, Christmas is all about Jesus. We got that. Come on. That's old hat. We've heard that all our lives. Give us something new. I believe that, Pastor. I, I, I get that. So where's the adoration? Where's the celebration? The admiration, the adulation. Where is the, where is the, you know, the triumphant joy and the victory? So if we really have had the revelation, are we so caught up in the world that we miss the master in the mess of this world. Is that why we've lost? Is that, is, that why, is that what the deal is? That we're so caught up with work and things and parties and, and you know, trees and tinsel and shopping and all this other stuff that we lose the celebration of the incarnation that we miss. Is that the deal? Or, or is it that we're so familiar with the story We've heard it so many times that we're like kids in the playground playing marbles with diamonds. Just shooting marbles, not realizing what they have in their hand, that they're holding this wealth, they're holding this, the mystery of God, they're holding this, this glorious gift, they're holding these diamonds, but they're shooting marbles. Have we, have we gotten so comfortable, so accustomed to, so familiar with the story that it's lost its luster for us? Do we have to watch Hallmark 24 hours a day to get in the spirit? I mean, come on, is that the deal? See, we need to be like the wise men who still seek him today. Are you with me? Who still seek a fresh revelation, a fresh impartation, a fresh move. Come on, if you're going to praise him, come on, do it. Let him know. Come on. So what our, our public, just, just 
our private and our public worship. It's, it's really time to press in. It's time to press in privately in your prayer closet, in your Bible study. And this is what I know some of you, the only, the only God stuff you get in you is when you come on the weekend. And even though it's good, and the preaching's great, <laughs> hey, it's just not enough. A 30-minute message is not enough for 6.9 days where the devil's kicking your tail and beating your brains in. So see, there's this private pressing in that we need to do. And there's this public out, a, a, outward expression. I, I love to worship it. I sit down here and I'll dance over here in front of man. I'm moving. I'm just having, I'll get on my knees. I'm raising my hands and I'm singing and I'm celebrating. But see, my public expression and my adoration and celebration is just an outcropping of my private seeking and pursuing him. Does that make sense? If you don't worship at all anywhere except church, you're just not going to be a lavish worshiper because you're not in a practice. Are you with me? And so there's got to be that celebration. And so, again, what, what, what I try to do is it, there, there's adoring him, there's reflecting, there's meditating, there is seeking him, there is pursuing him, there is time in the word, there is time just pursuing God. Let me tell you why. Are you ready? If you're listening, say, I am. Because he's worthy. That means he's worth it. He's worth it. The whole deal about adoration is he's worthy of all of our adoration. The virgin-born son of the most high God is worthy of our celebration. Now, if you go back to the second stanza of this, of the song that we've been using to, to just creatively dive into the text of Christmas. It, it, you know, in, if you grew up in church, especially Baptist church, they hated the third verse. You remember that? Open your hymnal and we're going to sing the first, second, and last stanzas. Y'all remember that? Whoever the third verse was should have been offended. But I've been singing this song all my life. But somewhere they must have quit singing the second verse because I've never heard the second verse of this song. So I couldn't sing it. My voice is not doing well tonight, so I'm not going to try to sing anyway. I thought it was going to do something, but not happening. Uh, so let me, let me just read it. God of light, light of light. He, abo- he abhors not the virgin womb. Very God, begotten, not created. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us Christ the Lord. Now, if you would have been in heaven, if I would have been in heaven before Christmas, and God would have said, hey, Chris, come here. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to be born from a virgin. And then I'm going to live 33 and a half years. I'm going to let him kill me, and I'm going to pay the penalty for everybody's sin. I'd have seen some problems with that plan. Would y'all? I mean, wouldn't you? I said, hold up, God. Can I talk? Wait. Let's talk about this. I don't know if you've been down there, but a womb's pretty small. (laughs) And you're a big honking God. So, you know, I'm not quite sure exactly what you're going to do. And there's a lot of glory in you. You know, and then you're going to go down there and you're going to live among the the people. And so I would have, if I'd been up there, I'd have seen a real problem. See, I love what what that verse, that stanza said begotten, not born. See, Jesus wasn't born in Bethlehem. He was in a way because he was born of the Virgin Mary, but he already existed. So it really was, he wasn't being birthed in the world. He was invading the world in a new form. 
Does that make sense? And so it's a mind-boggling deal. Why would God do it? Why would he leave the, the thrones, the throngs of heaven where he was worshipped and celebrated? Why would he leave all of his glory, take off his, his glory like a coat? I mean, just begin to, to take off all of his perfection, all of his power, and lay it down and be born of a virgin. Why? Because he loves us. That's exactly right. See, that's why we, that's why we get into celebration, because once we have the revelation, we begin to realize, we, put, we start connecting all the dots. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, the world mocks and sneers at the virgin birth, right? Because, see, the world mocks and sneers at anything in the Bible that is impossible, and, I, you know, listen, if God wants to be born of a virgin, he can jump in there. <laughs> Amen? Amen? He can, Listen, my little puny brain doesn't have to be able to get around that. God can do it because the Bible said all things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So, does, that make, does that make sense? And so this is the deal as a pastor. Now, as I watch and and, and we look at all kind of things that go on in the life of faith promise. Let's just think with you for a minute. I want to be serious. I worry about people. I worry about people that don't worship. See, are we Christ followers? Are we worshipers of God? Then I worry about people that don't worship. Because as I walk, you know, as I walk or look or, you know, over long periods of time, they don't ever worship. I, you know what I ask myself? I wonder if they've ever had a revelation. I, I, I just wonder. You know, when it comes to, when it comes to, would you agree that there are people at church go here that don't give? Would you agree with that? And I wonder, I wonder why they don't give. Well, what's the deal? Why don't, why don't they give? Have they had no revelation? I wonder why people don't serve. Don't they, don't they experience joy and caring for and loving and serving other people? Don't they, don't they realize they were Christ followers and Jesus washed the feet of the disciples? And Jesus did, came to this world not to be served but to serve and give his life a ransom for many? Don't, don't we understand that? Or has there been no revelation? Because if there's no revelation, there'll be no service. There'll be no giving. There'll be no celebration. There'll be no worship. And I got to tell you, this concerns me. Now, as your pastor, should I be, should I be concerned about that? Yes. And so, and not me, not me only, but all of our pastoral staff, our elders, as we look around and say, oh, this percent doesn't give and this percent doesn't serve. And, and I know there are people who come here that are, that are not believers, but if I was to walk around every campus, I'd take all Sunday, all day, walk around, the bulk of people would say they're believers. Would y'all agree with that? Yes. I'd say, yeah, we've made a faith decision. Yes. We've had a revelation. We don't worship. We don't serve. We don't give. We don't do jack. But we've had a revelation. Of what? <laughs> what have you had a revelation of? The only thing I can imagine is some old dead egg-sucking religion. Because listen, when I got a revelation of Jesus, I became somebody new. Man. Listen. No preacher had to beat me up to give, man. I started giving. Now, praise God, I only made $50 a week, so tithe wasn't bad. It was $5. I still had my first giving record in my office in there. Really was. My first ministry job, $50 a week. So, you know, people that don't have, listen, any hunger for the word, that concerns me. It concerns me greatly. 
Does that make sense? Because, see, after I got, had a revelation of Jesus, I was immediately hungry for the Word. I mean, I was immediately, and I didn't know Jack, and it took me a long time to learn, but, but I didn't know anything, and, and it, but I, I learned early that Jesus is worthy of the pursuit. Now, next weekend, Angels Anonymous, our Christmas production. Why, why do we have it? So that you can bring your friends. And why do you bring your friends and families and coworkers and teammates and neighbors? So that they can receive a revelation from Jesus. That it's the incarnation. They can be born again and they can become Christ followers. And that's why we fast and pray. That's why we seek the Lord. I believe in, listen, I believe I'm asking God for 8,000 people next weekend. 8,000 people at all of our campuses. That means every campus has got to be packed every service. That means you're going to bring people. And as you bring them, ask, holy God, give them a revelation of you. Give them a revelation of your glory. Give them a revelation of your grace. You say, Pastor, listen, you don't know my family and friends. Man, there's no way God could save them. He saved your sorry, rotten tail. Huh? Some of you guys were, <laughs> that come out, grab that, is it, is that live, grab And so, listen, man, he can get your friends. So listen, when you're praying, when you're inviting people, take all the cards, invite people, and then say, God, bring them and show them yourself. Don't show them a cool drama. Don't show them great music or lights or smoke. Don't show them this. Don't, listen, show them Jesus. Show them Jesus. This is the deal. Do you think the Magi were changed after they left Bethlehem? You think those third shift shepherds were different after they left the manger scene? Sing choirs of angels. Sing in exaltation. Come on, sing ye citizens of heaven. We are supposed to be lost in celebration. Amen? Is that right? That's why I said sing, you choirs of heaven. Man, come on, sing, all you citizens of heaven above. Are you a citizen of heaven? Then you ought to be a singing fool. (laughs) Amen? You ought to be a singing, celebrating. Justin, you back there, come help me. My voice is dead. Come here, Ski, you out here. Come here for a second. Just come out here. Because if I sang it, listen, they'd cut the video off at all the other campuses. and Y'all couldn't because the doors are locked in Pellissippi, but... Listen, if you're a citizen of heaven, then you're a worship leader. I mean, you're a worshiper. You're a worshiper. You're a worshiper. So let's just, right now, right now, man, I I wanted to sing. I I really did. I wanted to sing, but I can barely talk. And it's bad anyway. So ski lead us. Every campus, come on. Everyone, come on. 